Amen, amen. So, I want to do this quickly before, or it doesn't have to be quickly, but before we get into some teaching, I want to do questions. And always when I do Bible college classes with people, nobody will ask questions because they think, well, that's a stupid question. There are no stupid questions. So no matter how simple it is, uh, you know, it's a good question. If you ask me, like, how many warts the Antichrist has, I'm probably just going to go over that answer, okay? Uh, but any questions on anything about revival, about apostolic, about prophetic, about healing ministry, about any of those things, learning to love Jesus more, I'd love to just take a few minutes before we teach from the Word and, and answer questions. So anybody have a question that you'd like to ask? Because as you ask a question, it might help somebody else. Yes, go ahead. Um, that's a great question. Um, I am going to share more as the this weekend unfolds. The Lord gave me a word about uh, the nation of Australia, about the fire and the hammer, about the prophetic and the apostolic, and I will share that. I'll also give some description um, about apostolic ministry in general, and I think fill in some of those gaps. So, uh, But in general, I mean, I would just say this. I think it begins with people being mantled with an apostolic mantle. So the word apostle means a sent one. So when people become apostolic, they become sent. They're no longer just showing up and gathering in a church and saying, well, here I am. You know, I'm like a bird. Feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. They become sent. They become the ecclesia of God that they realize that I'm put on earth to shift climates, to shift regions. I'm put on earth to govern. I'm put on earth to legislate. And I believe this move of God that's here on us right now is a move that's releasing well diggers, people that are going to dig the wells of revival. And we have to get beyond this passive spirit where it's like, hey, we want everybody else to do all the work. Let the preachers do the work. Let the revivals do the work. I believe there's a Massive mantle coming over the people of God. So I believe it's going to look like being sent. I believe it's going to look like a shift in wineskin and paradigm that things are changed. I could give you description of that, but the reality of that is that we're still in discovery mode a whole lot on that. But I will fill in a lot of blanks on that this weekend. God willing, under the the uh, direction of the Holy Spirit, you know, if He breaks in, starts prophesying to be more healing, I'm going to go in that direction. But but it really begins. You know, the Lord spoke to me one time. And he said, Ryan, an, a, an apostolic person or leader or an apostle, whatever you want to say, cannot go into a region and transform a region. And I said, okay, Lord, talk to me about this. And he said, it takes an apostolic company. It takes a group of people that get a mantle and are sent to their territory. And this, I think, is the greatest shift happening in, in God's people right now. Is we're coming out of, and uh, when I say this, I'm not advocating that you're not a part of some community, okay? I think that's so healthy. I have been a part of uh, church community all of my Christian life. So I'm not a whacked out rebel person. But I think the, the thing that's happening, or maybe I am, I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> but I think the thing that's happening is that um, we are in a real season of absolute transformation that we're going from just being people that go sit in churches and sit in gatherings to really being the ecclesia of God, that we're coming into an ecclesia time, that the church now becomes everywhere that we are, and that there's an explosion of the power of God. You know, I don't think the revival that's here and the revival that's coming forth is a revival where one place has the Holy Spirit and everybody 
else is just drying up. I think the revival that's here and the revival that's coming forth is where we all get activated. So if you're a teacher and you start teaching and God starts moving, that's revival. If you're an evangelist and you're hitting the streets winning souls, that's revival. You know, we've had this like narrow definition of revival that revival looks like uh, gold dust or revival looks like laughter. Or revival looks like, and all those things have been outpourings. But I believe that we're in a fullness move when the Holy Spirit is activating his bride. And so we all process differently. We all relate to Holy Spirit differently. We all have different manifestations. And when you start doing what you are called to do, that's revival for you. And that's what's happening. An apostolic people is an activated people. It's a people that have spiritual DNA and they're releasing the glory of God. So again, you know, for a teacher... It might be just calmly teaching the Bible and they might not be having all kinds of manifestations. But as they move in their calling, it takes all of it together. And I believe that's what this thing looks like in part. There's way more to say on that, but that gives some description. Amen. And I would ask if that answered, but she's doubled over. So uh, we'll just choose to say yes, that answered it. Amen. Great question. Other questions. Come on, don't be quiet. Bible school students, if I even see your hand move, I'm going to say, there he has a question. Who has a question? Anybody have a question? Come on. Yes. Mm-hmm. Then you need to get filled with the Holy Ghost and start praying like that. And really, it's a gift. So the way I explain it to people is like this, is that um, just like you get saved, you discover salvation and your heart responds that and says, I want that. It's exactly the same thing with Holy Spirit and praying in tongues. You discover it. You say, Father, I want this. Holy Spirit, baptize me. You know, the most common way we probably see people filled with the Holy Ghost, it looks like a lot of times what it looked like in the book of Acts where the apostles went. They laid hands on them. They spoke with tongues. That's probably the most common way. Now, my mom got filled with the Holy Ghost and started speaking in tongues in her house without anyone praying for her. So there's many different ways that can happen. But uh, you, you start. Um, you, you, you receive the gift, start moving the gift. Some of you have different experiences. You know, some people get like this river just releases in them and they're just going after it. Other people get like what Isaiah called stammering lips. Their lips are just moving and that's about all they have. But if they keep doing that every day, then they'll get a syllable then they'll get words then they'll get sentences. So you just start where you're at. So ask for that, receive it and then let whatever comes, comes. Now, typically, The Holy Spirit is not going to just reach in your mouth and grab your tongue and start making you speak in tongues. There's going to be something on the inside of you that you feel and you have to just release what's on the inside. Now, some people, you know, they just get like whacked and and it just starts flowing right out of them. But you just start. You get filled with the Holy Spirit. You seek that and you just start. And so if you don't have that, uh, you can get that today. Amen. It's it's a free gift for you. It's a free gift for all of us. Some people say, well, maybe that's not for me. There's no scripture that says that. There's not a single scripture that says this is only for this person. Uh, when, when, they, when revival's moving in the church in the book of Acts, they would send the apostles to certain regions to go teach on the baptism of the Holy Ghost because they understood this. Revival could not be sustained by evangelism. Revival had to have the Holy Ghost in the middle of it. Had to have people speaking in tongues. Why? Because there's times that well's going to start feeling like it dried up. And it's the revelation that keeps it going. It's a revelation that when you're not feeling things, that you go, well, I know what God said. And that praying in tongues helps fuel revelation. 
So it's really, really critical gift. I, I think, you know, if Jesus had his perfect way in everybody's life, I think they would get saved and 30 seconds later filled with the Holy Spirit. But unfortunately, the church has done a really bad job. You know, and that's where I think charismatics, we do a bad job sometimes because we, we roll and prophesy and speak in tongues, but we don't teach on it and give opportunity for people to get it. So I think we've got to do better on that. But today could be your day for that. Amen? Good question. Other questions? Yes, my brother. Okay, Brad wants to come. Pastor Brad wants to come to you with the mic. Uh, do you believe time is short? Do I believe time is short? I believe that uh, our time is short. I mean, that's a bit of an eschatology question. So, you know, I, I don't know, uh, honestly. I, I listened to Catherine Kuhlman preach many years ago, and she was convinced the rapture was coming in her lifetime. You know, we have people that don't believe at all in the rapture. I don't know where everybody's eschatology is, and I don't like to get deep into that because it immediately starts dividing people up. But, you know, I believe that, that my time is short. I believe your time is short. Um, I believe that there are many, many signs of the birth pains uh, of the creation groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. So in answer to your question, I would say yes, but I'm saying yes, not so much from an eschatology standpoint as I'm just from a personal prophetic perspective to say I believe time is critical for us. I believe that, that really the expression of revival God wants to bring in this hour is less about us waiting for all these sovereign events to line up and more about us grabbing what's in front of us and running with it. And I think the enemy's done such a great job at pulling hope out of people's hearts that they don't even have hope for revival. You know, they go, well, there's a prophecy about our region and maybe in 50 years it'll come. And, you know, I get that. I get that there's some things that, that, that are prophetic and they're going to come when it's the Kairos. But I believe that the fullness of who God is and what he wants to do and we, he's just waiting on us to step into it. So from that perspective, I totally believe time is short. Good question. Others? Yes. Thanks, Brad. Um, how would you say if someone that's developing into that prophetic uh, gift and unction, when you see things, um, I can only speak from my personal experience, like I'll often see open. How, how do you know whether that's for you or it's for somebody else. So often it can be if I shake somebody's hand, I'll get a just a feeling of something and I'll know what it is. But is that for me to pray over that person privately or to to bring that out of them and sort of turn them around? I think that's where I struggle with that prophetic side is because some of the stuff that's quite hairy that I'll see and it, yeah, and to bring that out in, in a way that's going to be, I suppose, taken and palatable. Yeah, it can be I, I love that question. That's a fantastic question. So let, let's dig into that. Nor, the first answer to that question is most of the time, if you're sensing something about someone when you've come in contact with them, that's your prophetic senses going ding, 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 ding. So everybody processes differently prophetically. And if I have time, I'll teach on this this afternoon. But, you know, we've got the Nobby people. The Nobby is to bubble up. And, and, and you process, it just feels, uh, I describe the knobby like, you know, you put your tea kettle on, you turn it on, and then it starts boiling. And so knobby people deal with this feeling a lot. I got to get this out. You know, if a knobby person is in a service, and the person leading the service goes, no, we don't feel that's for now. Oh, that's so hard for a knobby person, because they, they, they feel it bubbling up on the inside of them. And so I think that, you know, when you sense that about somebody, that's just your prophetic senses being alerted. Like for a seer, a seer, 
sees all the time. So it's like if my if I wake up in the morning and open my eyes, I'm in some level of seeing all the time. What I have to do is sort out what I'm seeing and why I'm seeing it. So when you're getting these impressions in shaking somebody's hand or getting near somebody, that's definitely your prophetic senses. So uh, processing it, you know, I think it, that that's the challenging part is uh, probably – Much of the time, there is something that you could take out of what you're sensing about somebody and could be used for healthy prophetic ministry. But let let me walk you through that. So let's say that somebody's right here, and I happen to shake their hand. And when I shake their hand, I just get a sense this person's really massively addicted to pornography. Well, if I say, you know, you're just massively addicted to pornography, and I feel lust all over you. Instantly, I've really shut down their desire to really hear anything else I have to say. So what I would do with that kind of word is try to find redemption in that word somewhere. Where is the heart of God and where is redemption for that person? I have a directional word, and that directional word may very well be needful for that person to let them know God knows where you're at and God knows what you're going through. That's the power in the prophetic. You know, when you start to get information about people, it lets them know God's real. If nothing else, it lets them know God's real. Beyond that, there's the whole realm of healing. That the word of knowledge is oftentimes the key that opens the door to healing and miracles. So I would give that word this way. Look, when I came by you, I got a strong word of the Lord for you. I really sense in my heart that God is saying he's got a massive plan for your life. That God wants to do amazing things. But I sense you're struggling. Now, if there's a word like that and it's in a service, I'm probably not going to give it on the microphone either would be the other part of that. Like, God told me you're massively bound to pornography. That's not going to go over well. Um, and so I, I, I would say, you know, I sense a real call in your life. I sense God wanting to bring you into greater levels of freedom. And then I would say something like this. The person, again, qu- quietly where I'm not openly embarrassing them, uh, I really sense that the enemy is pulling you into some habits and into some things that are getting you out of the purity of God in your life. And, and that would be a way I could give that word and, and get through to that person's heart and release that word to let them know God knows what you're struggling. And now I want to pray for you to get set free. Now, if I really felt it was necessary to say to them, I really sense it's lust, then I would say that. But I would say it all through redemption, all through redemption. It's like we were doing a prophetic training and there was a uh, there was a lady minister. I can't, I'm trying to remember because we've done so many of them. There was this lady minister. We put a chair and um, we had someone sit in the chair. And so this lady in the audience goes, I feel depression all over you. And she's giving this on the microphone. And I know the lady in the chair, she's a preacher. And I'm like, oh, Lord, this is not going to be good. And the way the woman in the audience gave the word, it was so negative from the very beginning. And this lady in the chair completely shut down. Now, there were about two or three other people that gave bits and pieces, and I was doing the training, so what I did is I took each bit and piece and strung it together, and what we discovered is this. Basically, what the Lord was saying is, you've really been going through an attack against you in your ministry, and it's brought some heaviness, brought, and the first lady, her word was right. But the way she delivered it was very negative right out of the gate. It was like, you know, I just see heaviness and depression all over you. Da, 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 you're so bound up. And the lady wasn't bound up. It was an attack. So that process is so important in that. If you get a negative word about somebody, go through process. Now, another thing that I would say is this. It depends as well how and where you deliver the word. Let's say, do you have any pastors of churches besides Pastor Brad? 
Anybody a pastor of a church? Okay. So let's say I'm at their church and I'm a guest there and I'm just in the, you know, I'm just there, one of the people that are attending the meeting. And I go to see one of their leaders. And I just get a word, you know, I really sense God's about to move you into evangelism ministry. And he's saying, you're going to go in a new direction. You're going to do all that. And you're going to do all that. And, da, 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 da. and I go and release that word in their church without any authorization from anybody in the church. And now this leader goes to them and goes, you know what? I'm quitting my position here because this guy gave me a word and all this stuff. You know, I could really cause a lot of trouble. Now, I might be able to go to them and say, hey, I really have a sense this lady on your leadership team, God is a transition for, and they might say, oh, you know what? We've sensed that too. We've been praying about that. And it might be a wonderful confirmation. So sometimes how you give the word, you know, I see a lot of prophetic people and I write about this in my book. They'll, they'll go visit somebody else's meeting and jump up in the middle of the preaching or something in the back and start trying to prophesy. And then when they get shut down, they go, well, Ichabod. You know, they don't love Jesus. They don't love the glory of God. And it's not so much that. It's like this. You know, when, when Joy and I first started planting ministries, started planting churches, now they're kind of merging into revival hubs. Um, but we, we, we really wanted to have safe places. So we didn't want people to come in and feel like people that had all kinds of issues were laying hands on them. So we really said to our team, you know, we want freedom. We want the Lord to move. But we also, like, if somebody comes in, we've never laid eyes on them. And they're going just trying to impart to everybody. You know, we're not sure how we feel about that because we don't want people coming to our place and feeling like they've got to have their guard up. You know, I have visited people's ministries where people came and tried to put stuff on me that was not good stuff. So I think how and where you prophesy is important as well. If you're at, you know, Target and you get that word. You know, the, the, you're at Target and you get that word. If it's someone you're in relationship with, absolutely. But if it's a, this is what I would say. If it is a directional word and you're in somebody else's ministry functioning under their authority, find out what is the best way to process that kind of a directional word. Um, even as a traveling minister, I think when you go to other people's places and you start prophesying, and I've seen this, you know, peop, we, I'll give you an example. We had a young lady that we were grooming in our ministry for prophetic worship. Immensely talented young lady. A dear friend of mine who has a great ministry. <coughs> very powerful. Wonderful. I love his ministry. I was still having back. We're good friends. He came in and preached and he started to prophesy. And he basically said something like this. Within, was it a few months, three months, something like that. Um, you, you're going to go to Africa. Well, when he gave that word there, I'm sitting there and I just, I didn't feel the Holy Spirit on it at all. Doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit wasn't on it, but I just didn't feel it. I knew this girl. I was working with her. I didn't feel the Holy Spirit on this word at all. And she became so discontent with leading worship. And I finally had to meet with her, and I said, look, it's real simple. If you're supposed to go to Africa, someone's going to invite you to Africa. Has anybody invited you to Africa? She said, no. I said, then here's what I know to do. You be faithful in what you're doing today. You hold on to that word. If that's a word from God, a door is going to open. And you just keep doing what you're supposed to do. And if you're supposed to go to Africa, we'll take up an offering and send you to Africa. And we'll be happy. But it's like that word sidelined her. She could not stay faithful. She ended up leaving the worship ministry. And you know what? Today, I don't, she's like a lukewarm Christian. She's not even developing in her call, all because of a word that probably shouldn't have been given in the way that it was given. So even for me as a traveling minister, when I go, I'm cautious how I give directional words because I have given them before in ways that cause some crisis in people's ministries. So 
That's a long answer to that question. Did it give some insight or do you have a follow-up? Do you get this voice? You are so crazy. Yeah, yeah. That's the typical, you know, this is nuts. All this stuff is out there. That's not real. You know, that's that voice. And so, you know, I I don't know. I, I mean, I know in those times for me, I just really have to hold on to the word. I have this thing, and I'll just be completely transparent, particularly in the last two or three years, I've been in a lot of extended revival means, a lot of uh, moves of God that have shifted the ministries I was at in a good way. And during those times for me, that attack's been so elevated. I mean, I remember one time we had like four or five deaf people healed in one night. And it's like that night when I went home, I had this, this increased attack from that voice. And in those times, like, I just have to hold on to the word of God and say, I know what the word of God says. And I go to that James 4, 7, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. I think from my own experience with every realm that I've broken into spiritually, it's like you break through it. It's like a ceiling and you push and you push and you push and you push and you push. Like I had a mentor that told me one time I was praying uh, for this guy that was deaf. And so I pray for the guy. He's deaf in one ear. The ear opens and he starts weeping. We're in somebody's house. And we're like, oh, praise God. I mean, he's hearing whispers. Five minutes later, it's deaf again. So this happens three times. It opens and closes, opens and closes, opens and closes. So I called this mentor of mine and explained this to him. I'm like, I don't understand what's going on. He said, that's a deaf and dumb spirit. So what's happening is at your command, it's coming out. But at his unbelief, it's coming back in. So it's coming out, it's coming back in. And he, I said, how do I get to the place that I keep it out? And he says, Ryan, there are different levels of miracles. And you have to press in your own faith through those levels. So like for me, I have a really about 90% uh, deaf people getting healed record. If, if God tells me to pray for deaf people, it's about 90% they're healed. Now, there are other areas that it's the opposite. It's about 10%. So I find that you, you push and push and push against that ceiling, and then you break through it, and then you go through a time of solidification in that position. And then you push and push. Like when I started to move in the healing word of knowledge, for example, Lord would speak to me and give me these words of knowledge. It was so new, I would question it every single time. It would be like, is this really you, God? Is this really? And now... If, if I give a word of knowledge about healing in this room and, and nobody responds, I'm totally not discouraged by that because what my heart tells me is they probably had it and they were afraid to respond because now I'm broke through that level and I'm living in that realm. But there are new realms that I'm breaking through. So I think you do James 4, 7, submit to God, resist the devil, and understand it's a process of solidifying your identity. It's like when people are called to preach and they're terrified. I say, just preach. If it's five minutes, every single week, preach five minutes, and you break that five-minute barrier, and then you break the ten-minute barrier, and then pretty soon you're doing whole meetings, and you're good, but you break through those barriers. But there's always resistance on every barrier. 
And so you've got to push and fight through that. But that's very common. How many have heard that voice I described? Totally, 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 totally. So did that help you? All right, good. Great questions. Any other questions? All right, fantastic questions. How many would like to talk more about the prophetic? Let's talk about five of you. Okay, well, the rest of you, you're going to go on this journey with us. I want to talk some more about cultivating prophetic atmosphere. I will talk more as the Lord leads me about the apostolic. Um, I want to unpack and unload some things about that. But I really feel this today, the agenda of the Holy Spirit is to really focus on developing a prophetic spirit. And, and so that's, you know, even where we're at with the question. So we said this this morning. It begins with the revelation that we're all hardwired to hear from God. We said there are enemies of the prophetic in our own lives. The enemy of condemnation, the enemy of confusion, and the lack of faith. So we conquered those three things by revelation. And we talked about praying in tongues. Now I want to get very practical and I want to talk practicalities. How, how do we develop in the prophetic? Because we're all called to hear from the Holy Spirit. This is the thing we have to understand. These revival hubs have got to be places filled with revelation. It's not good enough that we just think maybe God wants to do something. God wants to really help us zone in on revelation. So how do we begin to develop that? Number one, we spend quality time listening. So many people, when they pray, they don't listen. You're not going to get revelation if you don't get quiet. You have to get quiet. So in your prayer time, in your time with God, you have to have some quiet time. You have to have some time where you're tuning and listening to the Holy Spirit. But I would say this, forget about just scheduling the quiet time even. You need to live in the listening mode. So I have my phone or some, something. You know, Bill Johnson has a pen in his pocket all the time. But I have my phone or some device that at any moment, if I get something, I have a two-sentence beginning of a prophetic word for Canada in my phone. That's all I have, two-sentence about the maple leaf. But I'm going to pray into it and see if it grows from there. So you start recording, writing down whatever you get, any kind of little download. Now, it's really common for prophetic people, when you get in an atmosphere of prophetic worship, or a prophetic person is preaching or teaching, it opens up what I call the prophetic swirl. I see it like a tornado where you just get like sucked up into this cyclone of revelation. I was in a conference with Dutch Sheets and Ken Malone and Jennifer LeClaire in Florida. And I, all during the worship, they brought in this lady named Gigi from Tampa that leads worship for House of Prayer. And she just would open her mouth and heaven would fill the room. And all during the worship and the preaching, I kept having to sit down and write out. I had like three prophetic dreams and three or four massive prophetic downloads just sitting in those meetings and what the dreams and downloads had nothing to do with the meetings but when I was under that canopy of prophetic it opened things up in me so you learn to live tuned in how many of you when you are in a prophetic atmosphere you start getting downloads anyone get that during worship or anything it's very important you start recording that write it type it However, you know, I'm a technology person because I'm a writer. So the more I have in here, the, the more I can use that material for other things. But however you want to do it, you begin to do that. So spend that time tuning in. Really create space in your life for what I call Holy Spirit downloads. When I was in Tampa, I want to see if I can find it. The Lord spoke to me about the download anointing. 
Let's see if I have it in my notes here. I have it somewhere. No. Uh, I just want to release this word over all the prophetic people in this room. I, I believe that this is a word of the Lord. I, I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I can't even get involved in the service because I keep getting these downloads. And I was like, Lord, what, what is this? And he said, it's the download anointing. All right, Lord, help me to find this. And he said, I, I, I want my people to tap into this download anointing. So let me see. Downloads, Father, we just thank you for download anointing. Oh, well, wouldn't you know, I can't find it. All right. He began to say to me, there's a grace for downloads. He said, there's, it's not something you earn, but it's a supernatural grace for downloads. He said, tell my prophetic people there's a download anointing where you begin to receive and you begin to hear and you begin to move. And he said, don't get discouraged when there's seasons that you're not getting as many downloads because I give space for you to process the downloads. So I just want to release right now the download anointing. If, you, if you're a prophetic person and you want to be, just raise your hands. Father, I thank you right now for the download anointing. I prophesy and speak a grace for downloads a grace for revelation a grace for understanding I call spiritual eyes spiritual ears spiritual senses to be open in the name of Jesus I thank you for greater revelation Lord we're not going to strive to earn it but we're going to rest in Papa's lap and we're going to hear what you are saying I release Lord the download anointing over your people we receive the download anointing Father And we just thank you for downloads in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Those downloads can come many ways. Now, you've got to be faithful to steward what I call the little prophetic downloads. Listen, God honors faithfulness. He's a God that loves faithfulness. He loves when you faithfully tend to what he has told you to do. So be faithful to listen. Be faithful to write. Here's a big one. Be faithful to pray over the downloads. You get a little download and you don't know what it means, start praying over it. Start seeking God for more revelation. And then act on what the Holy Spirit shows you. Now here's another piece of instruction to develop a prophetic spirit. Find mentors in the prophetic. And there's two kinds of mentors. You know, I used to work for Norval Hayes for years and I used to work his product table. Every time somebody would come up and say, I had cancer and I got healed. And I'd be like, oh really, what meeting were you in? They said, we, I didn't get healed in a meeting. I bought Brother Norrell's book, Worship. I bought Brother Norrell's book, How to Be Led by the Holy Spirit. I bought Brother Norrell's book, uh, How to Live and Not Die. And I read that book, or I bought this tape series, and I listened. And the majority of people had major miracle encounters and healings through the materials. What was that? That was a mentor that was mentoring them in faith. So find mentors in the prophetic. It's great if you can find people in your region that do training and do equipping. But also reach out and get those books, get those CDs, get that information, connect with things. The Lord has opened up so many channels through technology that will help accelerate your growth. So find mentors in the prophetic. If you want to grow in this, you've got to find people that are already walking where you want to be and start linking up with them. Get there stuff. I'm amazed. You know, people go, can you tell me five things about the prophetic? I said, like, yeah, I'll tell you five books you need to buy. Well, I don't want to read a book. Well, if you don't have enough tenacity to read a book, dear God. I mean, really, you don't have enough tenacity to develop your gift. You might need to read 15 books to develop your gift. Well, I don't need that. You know, one man said to me, no, I don't read any book but the Bible. I don't read what men wrote. I said, really? I don't read what men wrote. I said, okay, let me ask you a question. Who wrote the Bible? 
the Holy Spirit. I said, oh, his hands penned it? I think Minton wrote it. Holy Spirit inspired it. Another lady one time came to me and said, I have a word of the Lord. I said, what is your word? She said, the Lord told me it's wrong to sell products in the church. I said, oh, it is. She said, yeah. I said, do you bring your Bible? Church said, I do. I said, did you buy your Bible? She said, yeah. I said, did you pay money for your Bible? She said, yeah. I said, let me understand. You're okay with buying food. You're okay with buying a car. You're okay with buying coffee. But it offends you to, that someone would take their life and pour it into a book, and you would have to pay $9 for it. You're going to stop at $9. That's your measure of maturity is $9. It's amazing how foolish people can be. Amen? I felt that one go, oh, But get mentors. Some of the best mentors for you in the prophetic might be people you'll never meet. Again, I want to say this. If there are people in the region doing prophetic training, that's great. You know, if it's the lady that, that gets offended with everybody and is irritated and angry all the time, she's probably not your mentor. How do I know a Jezebel spirit? Real simple. One way, a Jezebel spirit always boasts how spiritual they are. Mm, Help us, Lord. Yeah, Jezebel spirit. Oh, I just came off a 41-day fast. You know, the most spiritual person in our city does 40. I did 41. Mm. Five angels came to me in the 41-day fast. Three of them had books. They told me I'm going to be the deepest prophet that ever lived. And as long as you do everything that I say, you're going to be anointed. Anytime somebody gives you a word, as long as you do everything they say, you're going to be okay. That's the first. I got a word for you. Run. Run. Amen. That is so imbalanced. Another sign of those kind of spirits is when they go into other people's ministries And start taking people off to the side in the parking lot and prophesy against that ministry. You know, a mature prophet comes through the front door. They don't come through the back door. When someone has to come through the back door to move in prophetic ministry, well, it's because there's no anointing there. Well, either help fix that or if they don't want any anointing there, then go. I have a word for you. Go join somewhere that wants an anointing. You know, I meet these people and they go, well, I've just been praying for my church. You know, they won't let, they, they, they won't sing in tongues. They, they have a one hour meeting. But I said, how long have you been praying? 30 years. I'm like, dear God, you're going to die. You're going to rot. You've got decay on you stink and you don't even realize it. You've got the stench of religion and death all over you. You know, one lady, she, she left this one spirit-filled ministry and said, I'm going to go to this denomination. This denomination hadn't had the Holy Ghost move in 100 years. And she said, I'm going to go and, and go and change this denomination. I said, honey, the devil has chewed up a lot bigger and better than you. You're not going to go turn that upside down. It's, you're going to go there, and you're going to lose all your fire. No, I'm not. You know what? She went there and lost all her fire. You know what she's doing for God today? Nothing. Why? Because she went and planted herself at the wrong place. You can take the same seed and put it in different soil and get two different results. Some of you, the problem has nothing to do with the seed that's in you. It's the soil you're planted in. See, if you want revival, you know, I got to this place. We, we were always talking about, well, we want revival, but we don't want to upset anybody. We want revival, but we want our churches to grow. Sometimes revival happens and the church decreases. Yeah, sometimes, oh, no, I'm not going to say that. Sometimes, because it would be a YouTube thing and it will live forever, and I don't want that. Sometimes things have to just be flushed on out. And sometimes there's a good Holy Ghost revival that comes and upsets all the religious people. 
and they leave and find people are there that want to press out to the things of God and now God can really do something phenomenal in that city. You know, Jesus had a church of 12 and one of them betrayed him so he had about a 10% betrayal rate. You're not so bad. Lord told me, he said, it's the season of the special ops. Little groups of people are going to do big things. Barbara Yoder said, little is the new big. I believe in this season. It's a whole different paradigm. We're not trying to build the big corporate Walmart type of church anymore. But we're trying to get hubs that are full of the glory and the kingdom of God. And God's going to shake regions and territories through hungry groups of people. That their main mission is we want to host the presence of God. We don't care how many people are there. We don't care how popular we are. We don't care how many books we sell we want the presence of holy spirit it's like it's so sad to me because 20 years ago i remember you didn't have to explain to quote unquote spirit filled people when the holy spirit moved you didn't have to explain it all now the holy spirit starts moving in in quote unquote spirit filled churches and you have to explain well that, that that's called falling down that's called slaying the spirit why because it's been 20 years since anybody was slain in the spirit, because in these spirit-filled churches, we've got a program that dictates everything. And Holy Spirit standing outside the door saying, I want to break in. I want to heal people and deliver people. Let me in. Sometimes you have to pluck yourself up and say, this soil is not producing any roots and it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult, but I'm going to get up and I'm going to plant myself over here in this soil. And I don't care how hard it is. I want to be in the soil of God. Amen. It's sad to me for people who just settle when there's so much more. When you can live in the realm of the supernatural. You can live in the realm of the miraculous. Amen. So find mentors, get their books, get their information, go to their conferences, join their networks, do whatever it is God leads you to do, and fuel that prophetic spirit. Now, I want to talk about some practical things. Number one, begin to identify and develop your prophetic DNA. What does that mean? What does that mean? I mean this, that you can have five prophetic people, and we all have different DNA. I'm a very apostolic governing person. So when I prophesy, it's not like, oh, God loves you. You're just so sweet. Ooh, yeah. And I brought said, ah, wake up. God said move. God said shift. I said shift, not something else. <laughs> That'd be a bad word, wouldn't it? But, you know, there are other people that their, their DNA is different. There are people, their DNA, you know, the picture people. I, God, God shows me a lot of pictures, but I've seen people that that's their full DNA, that it's like, you know, I see a spoon, and you're going, yeah, come on. Like, really? But then out of that one little picture, they draw this huge, prophetic, beautiful masterpiece over this person's life. Well, it's just different prophetic DNA. So there's different prophetic DNA. You find your prophetic DNA. How does God speak to you, and how do you flow? And one of the most dangerous things you could ever do is watch somebody else flow and say, well, I'm going to be just like that. You can be inspired. You know, there's a certain thing where you get around somebody that carries what you're called to carry and it makes your baby jump. It's like Elizabeth and Mary getting together. It made the baby jump. There is that thing, but many, many times we limit the operation of God because God's birthing something wonderfully original in us. And so you've got to find your prophetic DNA, how God talks to you. 
You know, God, uh, I have visions. Oh, the Lord talked to me, and the Lord said, "Oh, you're just so sweet." And, da, 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 and I said, "Like, like the Lord tells me something. Shut up. Stop doing that. Do this. It's like you know." But but that's that's how I'm wired. You know, I, I I'm more of a militant person, and God talks to me that way. I mean, He says very nice, kind things to me when I was in Bendigo. He said, "I want to thank you," and I just started weeping. But I'm saying most of the time, my DNA. Is more of a bold prophetic DNA. But we all have different prophetic DNA in different ways God talks to us. And then find your prophetic jurisdiction. So here's what I mean by that. God says to Jeremiah, before I formed you in your mother's room, I knew you and ordained you a prophet. And then he talked about him speaking to nations. So Jeremiah had a global prophetic ministry. He had a global prophetic jurisdiction. Lord told me one time, he said, there's three levels of the word of the Lord prophetically you need to know. And I said, okay, what is it? He said, number one, you need to know the word of the Lord for the ecclesia. What time is it in the body of Christ? What is God saying to all of us that, that no matter what our call is or where we live in the world, there's a common word. My book on revival hubs rising has just been going all around the world. You know why? Because people are saying, this is describing what I'm sensing and feeling. I believe it's a global word. I believe there's a lot of other wonderful global words out there. And so you've got to tune in and make an effort to be in tune with those global words. Then there are regional words. So the global word, okay, there's revival hubs rising. Well, now, God, what does that look like in our region? See, what do you need? You need some regional prophets. You need some people who have a jurisdiction in the region that God has appointed them to be gatekeepers and watchmen in the region, and they're hearing from the Holy Spirit. And so then uh, there is the word of the Lord for you. So three levels, globally, regionally, and personally. So revival hubs rising, what does it look like in the region? And then what is my part in that? See, that's the three levels of the word of the Lord. So we have people, like I've seen these ministries that they can't go very much forward because they have prophets in their ministry that are regional prophets. The, The jurisdiction is for the region. And then you get a person that's got a global mandate or mantle, and they don't want to listen to them. And what happens is it's like a stream flowing in, but no stream flowing out, and they become stagnant. And so the only thing they know is what's happening in the region. You've got to have a stream flowing in, and you've got to have a stream flowing out. You've got to develop what what is the prophetic paradigm for the nations of the earth. And so God puts us all in different jurisdictions. I was in a jurisdiction ministry for many years that was mostly regional. I've stepped into a jurisdiction that's global. And, and my level of revelation and authority has went to a d- another level. I'm, I mean, God talks to me about things he never talked to me about seven, eight years ago. Why? Because I have a different jurisdiction. Now, one is not more important than the other. It does absolutely no good to know what God's saying to the whole world and not know what God's saying to you. You will be miserable. You'll be oppressed. You'll be depressed. So all of those are valuable and important jurisdictions. But different people have different jurisdictions. And what that looks like is this, that you've got a regional prophet. They're right here seeing the region. Then you've got a global prophet. What are they doing? They're looking. They see the region, but they're looking way out here. And sometimes we need to be pulled up prophetically into that higher level and higher realm. So we've got to tune in. So I've seen when the apostolic movement began to came, you know, these people would start ministries and they'd go, you're the prophet, you're the dentist, you're the teacher. And then they would listen to anybody else prophetically. And she may be here getting awesome downloads for the region, but that's only one part. That's going to keep you at a certain level. You've got to know what's the Lord saying to his whole bride around the earth. That's another jurisdiction. 
So there's prophetic jurisdiction. Then there's prophetic teams. One of the real rich things, prophetically, I believe, is prophetic teams. Just like we were talking about this word of knowledge with her son in the x-ray. So I had the revelation, but I needed to process that, and I was a little off on my processing. Well, see, if you have a team, you have three or four people, and I got that one bit, someone else may have got the other bit, may have got the other bit, and now it really starts to click. And so I believe, but you can't make a prophetic team without relationship and trust. There has to be relationship and trust. A team is never built on gifting. A team that's built on gifting will always fail. A team has to be built on commitment and character. Those two things are critical. I'd rather have people with commitment and character over gifting. And then, you know, there's the realm of what I call the psalmist anointing. I believe there are musical prophets that unlock things through, minute, through, through worship. And then there are scribes, the writers, the creatives. A lot of people are called to prophetic creativity. They're called to see things and write things and, and write poems and write movies and write plays and write all those things. They can be profoundly prophetic. There's a whole well of prophetic anointing in the creative ministry. And, and then, you know, there's another realm I call prophetic preaching. It's where you're not really giving words to people individually, but your message is the prophecy. And there's a whole well of anointing that, that a lot of people never tap into of prophetic preaching. So one of the things we have to do is we have to make a distinction, I believe, between believers prophesying and the office of the prophet. The gift of prophecy is available to all believers. So how many believers are here today? We could all prophesy. All of us can prophesy. What does verse Corinthians say? Edification, exhortation, and comfort. But that's a different role than the office of the prophet. The best way I could explain this to you is it's like if you have a believer with the word of knowledge and you have a prophet with the word of knowledge, oftentimes it will be the same word, but the prophet has a deeper measure of that word. Not because they're more valuable, not because they're more important, but the flow of that gift in them is stronger. Typically, a prophet is going to have a strong flow in one of the revelatory gifts. The the revelation gifts the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. A prophet is typically going to have a real strong flow in one, if not all of those. A prophet is a revealer. A prophet is a seer sometimes. A prophet is a hearer. A prophet reveals. A prophet pulls off the revelation. So a believer might say, you know what? I really believe God wants to encourage you. A prophet steps in that same word and goes, you know what? Five years ago, you went through this challenge. The Lord spoke to you in Texas and the Lord called you. And God says, and and they just begin to drill into oftentimes those details. Now, not always because they're different realms of prophetic. But that's one realm of the prophetic. I like what Kenneth E. Hagin used to say about uh, all the fivefold ministry. Those that are called to those offices, it'll typically be confirmed by other people that are already walking those offices. And usually it will come to a place at some point in your life that that, that's the dominant thing that you do, that you almost can't do a lot else than that. Now, there are bivocational people, I understand that. But but many, many times uh, when God launches you into an office, as he develops you into that, it really becomes the major thrust of your life. It takes up most of your time and all that. And it will be confirmed to you. But there's a difference in those two gifts, and there's a different set of rules. For example, in, in a local ministry, a believer prophesying should be much more cautious about a directional prophecy. Well, you're going to move here. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. Because those create a lot greater challenges. So there's a different set of rules on just 
All of us prophesying versus uh, a prophet prophesying. Again, it's not that anyone is more important. What it is is it's a grace. Paul said, according to the grace that is given to me. So there's graces on the lives of people that are called to do different things and exhort and teach the body of Christ in those different things. Flowing in the gift of prophecy does not make you a prophet. Because we're all called to be prophetic, guys. The office of the prophet brings a special gift, a special grace, and what I call a spiritual jurisdiction. Now, let's look at 1 Corinthians 14, 29. A lot of people have this impression that, that prophecy should never be governed. And really, you will not find in the Bible any such a thing as ungoverned prophecy. In other words, you, you won't find where people are all just prophesying to each other and Paul and Peter were just like in the back room drinking coffee. No, you'll find that, that prophecy was intentional and there was a direction in it. There was a flow in it. One of the ways that, that false spirits work is they do what I call prophesying undercover. They give people a lot of directional words, and they do it away from authority figures. A lot of times, like I saw in a marriage one time, the Jezebel spirit working through this false prophet, and it got the wife and began prophesying the wife all the time and separating her off from her husband and creating a spirit of division. And that spirit really would not even prophesy around the husband. In, in local ministry, a lot of times that, those kind of spirits will come in and start releasing all these secret prophetic words to leaders and, and planting seeds of strife and seeds of division. But Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 14, 29. Let the prophet speak two or three and let the other judge. So prophecy in the local body should be governed and properly discerned. In other words, Paul was saying, look, you need to judge prophecy. If I'm going to partner with a prophetic word, the first thing I have to do is understand, is it a real word? If someone walks up to me and goes, Ryan, the Lord told me you're going to move to Alaska. I say, I bind you in Jesus' name. I don't want to live in Alaska. But if I've never heard that, if that's never been anything in me, then I have to judge that and say, does this line up with anything, any prophetic roadmap in my life? And when I judge, I say, no. Now, now another level of that is if I'm a part of a great ministry, and there's prophetic people in that ministry, and I go to them, or that word's delivered around them, they could also say to me, Ryan, we really don't see that, because sometimes you get a false word, you're not sure how you feel. Because the power of that false word, especially if there's a wrong spirit behind it, kind of grabs you, doesn't it? I've had to, before with my spiritual sons and daughters, break words off of them. That somebody released the word, why? Because the Bible says there's power of life and death in the tongue. Words are powerful. And utterances in the spirit realm, utterances open doors. That's why there's such a thing as word curses. Word curses are prophecies in the opposite direction. A prophecy edifies, exhorts, and comforts. And so what a prophecy does, a prophecy is like a gigantic key. Someone gives you a prophetic word and it's from God. It's like God hands you a key and goes walk through the door. Now, whether that prophecy comes to pass in your life or not is oftentimes dependent on how you steward that key. I have a whole audio teaching on stewarding a prophetic word. And uh, a word curse is the same way. So if somebody releases a false utterance over you, in the ministry, people will really curse you. Say, he's a false prophet. They're of the devil. They're of the da, 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 da. And what that is, they're keys in the demonic realm being handed to us. How we steward that key will determine the effectiveness of that curse. So if we go, you know what? We just break that word curse in the name of Jesus. I don't receive that. I was in a meeting one time, had these two ladies showed up at the meeting, and I knew in my spirit that they had a wrong spirit about them. 
And so they got in a prayer line where some of our team was ministering and came to me and began to tell me, you know, one of the team members, they, they, they were speaking sickness over me. Well, I knew the team. And I said, no, they didn't do that. And the lady started arguing with me. And this is in the middle of a prophetic conference. And she just kept arguing. And she said, I don't think you know what I'm, I don't think you understand what I'm saying. Now, I spoke to her very nicely at first trying to explain to her. And after I was getting nowhere, I said, no, I understand exactly what you're saying. And I'm telling you, I don't receive it. I'm telling you, it's not accurate. And I'm telling you, I don't want to hear it anymore. What was I doing? I was handing that key back to her. I'm not going to unlock that door. A word curse opens the demonic realm up over somebody. A prophecy from God opens the spirit realm up and gives you a massive key to walk through doors. I had a prophetic word some maybe three or four years ago about when I turned 40. And I knew in my spirit it was a key that was being put in my hands. I grabbed that key. I partnered with that word. And guess what happened? The year I turned 40, there was a major shift in my life. Why? Because there was a prophetic word that was given to me and I partnered with it. And so it's a wonderful thing to judge prophecy. It's not a mean-spirited thing to judge prophecy. It's a wonderful thing. And, and, and you'll find in the New Testament that prophecy fl- flowed freely. It flowed wonderfully. But you know what? It was governed. There are real problems that arise, I believe, in ministries when, when believers try to govern churches and ministries like they're prophets when they're not. When they go and they start trying to govern something with their prophetic words, it can really be trouble, troubling. A prophet is not made but born. So you can't go to a prophetic school and become a prophet. People ask me, what do you think of prophetic schools? I think they're great if they're helping people tune in and sharpen their prophetic skills. If they're promising to to make people prophets, that's completely bogus. Why? Because you can't make anybody anything. Any kind of school of ministry, any kind of training, we can't make anybody anything. What we can do is sharpen what's in them. And that's all that we can really do. So the Old Testament used three Hebrew words that are translated in the English word prophet or seer. And here's the words, Nabi, Roe, and Jose. Nabi means this, to bubble up. It describes one who is stirred up in the spirit. It is most frequently used of all the other Hebrew words to say prophet. And it's applied to speaking. It becomes to declare. So a Nabi prophet, a Nabi realm, if you move in the Nabi realm, if that's the way you hear from God, you really are an announcer. Your anointing is in your mouth. Now, here's one thing I learned. When you give a prophetic word, don't add to it. So there was a meeting at IHOP, and I think it was Bob Jones, is there, and there's about 20,000 or so people in the audience. It's a big conference. And Mike Biggles says, Bob, do you have anything? I think it was Bob. I have a spiritual son that was there, but I don't. So I'm just trying to remember it. And he goes, do you have a word? Do you have anything? And Bob gets up and says, yes, I do. Kraft macaroni and cheese. And sits down. Now, when I heard this story, I thought if I was there, I would have been like, oh, my gosh. That's one of these, like, wacko prophetic people. And so here's what happens. This woman had lost her child and was in deep grieving. And the child's favorite meal was crap macaroni and cheese. And she was in the audience praying, God, I'm having such a tough time. Could you speak some word of comfort to me about my child? Now, understand, revelation is the beginning, interpretation is the second. He could have added a whole bunch to that. 
I've gotten in real trouble prophetically several times by only getting part of it and then adding to it. Sometimes you only have part. The Bible says we know in part, we see in part, we prophesy in part. It's okay only to have part. God can sort out the rest. Do not add to what you have. So Navi people receive a bubbling up. It just feels like something's bubbling up and it comes into your mouth that you've got to speak it out. That's the Nobby realm of prophetic. Anybody kind of have that flow in your life? Amen? So we're identifying some of your prophetic DNA. It's the, the primary way that a Nobby person is led is what I call by the voice of the Lord. They act on and decree what they hear. You're a real hearer if you're a Nobby person. Now, you can have more than one of these. Uh, Roe means to see or to perceive. It's generally used to describe one who is a revealer of secrets or who envisions. This is the seer realm. Roe people operate in visions, in dreams, and visual leader, uh, leadings. They get a lot of pictures, get a lot of night visions, get a lot of dreams. Uh, there's a whole lot of teaching we could do on seers, but it'll, that would take up the rest of the session. But anybody led a lot by visual stuff. That's that Roe realm prophetically. So you could have three prophets, and they might be completely different in their prophetic DNA, how they receive it and how they release it. It's Okay. You know, prophets have wonderful healing ministries. We, we don't see that as much in this day. But, but in the Old Testament, particularly, prophets were the main healers. Today we see evangelists doing more, healer, more healing. I believe there's a wonderful move of God erupting amongst apostolic and prophetic people. You know, apostles are not old, old guys standing up there preaching for three hours till you fall asleep. Apostles in the Bible were revivalists. The greatest revivalists of the hour should be apostles. They should be going into territories, cracking things open. But the difference between an, an apostolic revivalist and maybe an evangelistic revivalist is there's a little bit more substance. And I don't mean that mean-spirited. I'm just saying a, a, an apostolic revivalist has more substance. It's not just a bam. It's a bam then with some revelation. And, and they leave you with something you can build on. And that's why I believe these hubs are really important. Now, the other word here is the word Jose. It also means to see or perceive, but it's used in reference to musicians a lot of times. So it's that, that, that musical realm, that, that uh, minstrel realm and psalmist. It's also, this is a good part, also used to describe a counselor or advisor to a king. So one of that realms there of the Jose is, is the realm of, of governing prophetic. God wants to release prophetic people into local governments to give words to the mayors and the council members. God wants to release prophetic people into the, into the nations to talk to presidents and kings and rulers. I believe there's a whole untapped realm of this Jose anointing for to us to tap wisdom of the Lord. There's prophetic wisdom that we don't know what to do. You know when you don't know what to do, one of the greatest things you could do? is pray real strong before you go to bed and say, God, I just confess when I go to sleep, I'm going to get an answer. Lay down and go to sleep. Now, you might not have a prophetic dream, but whatever comes to you, the moment you wake up, that's usually your answer. There's a whole realm of prophetic wisdom. See, many people think, well, if you get prophetic, you get nutty. No, you get wise. Start getting answers and solutions. There's a whole realm here that we can tap into. Amen? This realm. The, 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 um, thank you, Holy Ghost. Jose people, are uh, they're, they're people with wisdom. It means advisor. It means counselor. In the Greek, a prophet means this, one who speaks for another. Now, here's the things. There are various ways that God can speak. And I want to give you some of those, and then we'll pray. He can speak through dreams. We talked about that earlier. Night visions, pictures. See, a lot of times people go, well, God's not speaking to me. And they're only judging it from one expression. Did you get any kind of picture in the last day and a half? 
Well, God was speaking to you, but what you didn't do is you didn't pray it out. Well, I had a picture of a cloud. Well, you need to pray on that. You need to discern that. I was in a meeting, and we'd had a great move of God, great revival. I never even preached. I just, people were just getting slain in the spirit and running around the building screaming. And I got done, and they asked this lady to get up, and she have a prophetic word, and she got up, and she said, the whole time I just keep seeing a pancake. And I was like, oh, Lord. And she said, but only one side was cooked. And then I saw a giant spatula turn over, and the Lord said, your other half is about to get cooked in this hour. See, what? that's just such a simple picture, but there's all kinds of Holy Ghost meaning on that picture. You know, God wants to open up the realm of pictures to us. That's the thing, is many of us don't think we're hearing from God, and we're hearing from God all the time. But there's different ways he speaks. He speaks through all the different spiritual senses. He speaks through impressions, through leadings. A lot of times you just have this little leading. I remember one time uh, we, we had started our first church, and we got done. Uh, we, we, we needed $5,000 for a sound system. And we got done with the meeting, and I told my wife, I want to go out and eat. My wife really likes to be at home. So three weeks in, in the land down under is a real stretch for her right now. And she said, I don't want to go out to eat. I want to go home. I said, you always want to go home. I want to go out to eat. And she said, you always want to go out to eat. I want to go home. So it just so happened I prevailed. And I wanted prime rib. So I went to this particular restaurant that had good prime rib on Sundays. And I walked in. And this little sweet Baptist lady that had visited our service that morning happened to be eating there. And I said hi to her on my way to the table. And she said, the Lord spoke to me to give you something. And she slipped a piece of paper into my pocket. Well, we finished eating. We got in the car and I said, oh, yes, she put a piece of paper. I pulled it out and it was a check for $5,000. Now, I didn't have a gigantic encounter with the Lord. I just had a leading, really not even a leading, just a desire to go to that place. Listen, God will protect us with little leadings. Don't go here. Don't go there. So you don't tune out just because it's not a thundering voice. God speaks in a multiplicity of ways. Part of developing a prophetic spirit is choosing to believe that those little impressions, those little thoughts, those little leadings are ways God's speaking. And then we have spiritual senses. How many have ever had a heavenly smell? Anybody ever had a nasty, like, demon smell? You know, there are ways God can show you demons by smell. And if you, you can say, well, I don't know. I just sometimes smell things and overlook the whole thing. But it could be a part of the flow of the gift of the discerning of spirits that God activates your spiritual sense of smelling. Now, again, you can't make that happen. It just either happens or it doesn't. All you can do is say, Father, I'm available. But you can't make it happen. So I want to close here. I want to give the keys, and I've already given this, but I want to reiterate this. Keys to effective prophetic ministry. You need to discern and properly interpret before you deliver a word. Here's what you need to find out. What is God saying? What is God saying? You know, if you had a word of warning for someone and you didn't get the rest of that word and you went and delivered just part of it that was negative, you could really put a spirit of fear on somebody. So you need to really process. Most, pe- most of the mistakes and prophetic things happen from improper process. And I believe, look, I am the most instantaneous, spontaneous person when it comes to ministry. I came in this afternoon. I didn't know what I was going to talk about. I was sitting in the back room, and Pastor Brad came out and said, oh, by the way, we're not doing worship. I was like, oh, by the way, I was going to get the flow during worship. But okay. (laughs) Holy Spirit, which way to go? And I do that all the time. So, you know, I, I love spontaneity. 
But sometimes you can really mess somebody up. If you got a little bit of a leading, you don't properly process that. Many, many ministries have been ruined because people, leaders, went out and stepped out without the full picture, without the full process. You will never regret, typically, waiting on something. You know, I have a word about a city in America that I've got, had a year ago, and I've still never given that word. I haven't felt the Lord said to give it. It's written down. It's ready. I probably have five prophetic words in my notes that I've not given. For major words I've not released to the body of Christ. When will you release them? When I feel like the Lord says yes. One of the things you have to understand is the higher the level of revelation God entrusts you with, the more prayer that needs to go into how you steward it. Now, I'm not saying fearful, but I'm saying wisely. Don't just throw out something before it's timing. Because it can really sow seeds of fear confusion. So here's three steps to successful prophetic ministry. Reveal, discern, and apply. When you receive a revelation, write it down. Habakkuk 2 says write the vision. Identify how God speaks to you personally. Tune in and then act on it. Number two, interpret. What is the message? If you're unsure, pray before delivery. Don't be afraid to allow a message to mature and come into season. Proverbs 15, 23 said, A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good it is. So step one is reveal. Step two is discern or interpret. Step three is what I love, apply. What is the instruction in the word or the leading? See, prophetic insights very seldom ever given without some form of instruction. Most of the time, why people don't see prophetic words come to pass in their life is, is they don't ask, Lord, what's the instruction? God says, you're going to have a worldwide ministry. And they just sit at home and go, well, why isn't it happening for me? What is the instruction the Lord's giving you? You know, I was sitting in a service, 16 years old, and a voice said to me, I want to tell you a, a massive story. A voice says to me, I've called you. And I go like this. I know you're not like, are you talking to me? Like, I know you're not talking to me, Lord. I'm so messed up. You can't call me. Lord said, no, I've called you. I've called you. So I began to go on this journey with God. Okay, God, you've called me. What, I feel like I need to be trained. Where do I want to go? Where do you want me to go, Holy Spirit? Now, here's the really, really funny thing that I want to tell you. So I was 17. I'm 41 now. I found out that Kenneth Hagin's ministry had a Bible school in Perth, Australia. And so I thought, Lord, I want to go to Perth, Australia and go to Bible school. I didn't know where Perth, Australia was, but I just thought, if I'm going to go to Bible school, wouldn't it be wonderful to go to another nation? And I called every day, and nobody answered the phone. It was like God just blocked those phone calls, and they wouldn't go through, and this was before Internet. So then I ended up finding out why. It's because God had a plan for me to go to Tennessee. But I said to Pastor Brad, I said, however, I don't know how many years ago, how many years it is now from that time. But all these years later, over 20 years later, I've stepped foot for the first time in a land that God put in my spirit when I was 17 years old. God has perfect timing for every word. Amen. And God will bring it to pass. I wanted to go backpacking through Europe. When I graduated high school, my cousin and I, who was unsaved, I was unsaved. We were going to go be heathens backpacking through Europe. And I got radically turned upside down for God at 16. God sent me on a seven-nation tour for three weeks in Europe 
when I was in my 20s. And I went all through Europe. I have preached all over Europe. I have toured. I have been to Big Ben. I have been on the London Eye. I've eaten at some of the great restaurants in London. I have preached in places in the UK. I'll be preaching in London later on this year. I have had dinner right there at the Eiffel Tower. I've had dinner in the Eiffel Tower. I've preached at the largest church in France, 10,000 people on a Sunday morning in Paris. God sent me to all those places, but there was a timing to it. You have to discern how do I apply what is being spoken. There's application, amen? So here's what I want to do. Do, we have, do you have some music you could just put on or how you want to play or whatever you want to do? I just want to simply do this. We're going to have a real day of outpouring tomorrow. Tonight, we're going to be at Without Walls. If you want to come over there, come over there. But I'm just going to ask my team, just for those that just feel like you want prophetic activation. When I do training, a lot of times we'll do exercises. We'll put people in chairs and get people to do words. But we, I'm not going to do all that. We're just going to, as a sign of faith, lay hands on those that want prophetic activation. Now, you know, the anointing is caught more than it's taught. So you're just going to catch something. We may have a word for you. We may have nothing. It doesn't, it's, it's, uh, it doesn't matter what, what you get as far as a prophetic word. It matters that you catch something. I just believe the way to end this, this day of teaching and getting in the word is to really activate. Pastor Brad, if you want to join us, that would just be awesome. Thank you, Father. Father, I just thank you for the leaders in this land. I thank you for every person because we're all leaders, Lord. I thank you for just activating prophetic people, God. I want to ask my team to come on.